0: Chapters 8 and 9 of Book 4 of History of Animals by Aristotle. Translated by Darcy Wentworth Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8. We now proceed to treat of the senses, for there are diversities in animals with regard to the senses seeing that some animals have the use of all the senses, and others the use of a limited number of them. The total number of the senses, for we have no experience of any special sense, not here included, is five. Sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. Man, then, and all vivipara that have feet, and further all red-blooded ovipara, appear to have the use of all the five senses, except where some isolated species has been subjected to mutilation, as in the case of the mole. For this animal is deprived of sight. It has no eyes visible. But if the skin, a thick one, by the way, be stripped off the head, about the place IN THE EXTERIOR WHERE EYES USUALLY ARE, THE EYES ARE FOUND INSIDE IN A STUNTED CONDITION, FURNISHED WITH ALL THE PARTS FOUND IN ORDINARY EYES, THAT IS TO SAY, WE FIND THERE THE BLACK RIM, AND THE FATTY PART SURROUNDING IT, BUT ALL THESE PARTS ARE SMALLER THAN THE SAME PARTS IN ORDINARY VISIBLE EYES. There is no external sign of the existence of these organs in the mole, owing to the thickness of the skin drawn over them, so that it would seem that the natural course of development were congenitally arrested, for extending from the brain at its junction with the marrow are two strong sinewy ducts, running past the sockets of the eyes, and terminating at the upper eye-teeth. All the other animals of the kinds above mentioned have a perception of color and of sound, and the senses of smell and taste. The fifth sense, that namely of touch, is common to all animals whatsoever. In some animals the organs of sense are plainly discernible, and this is especially the case with the eyes. For animals have a special locality for the eyes, and also a special locality for hearing. That is to say, some animals have ears, while others have the passage for sound discernible. It is the same with the sense of smell. That is to say, some animals have nostrils, and others have only the passages for smell, such as birds. It is the same also with the organ of taste, the tongue. Of aquatic, red-blooded animals, Fishes possess the organ of taste, namely the tongue, but it is in an imperfect and amorphous form. In other words it is osseous and undetached. In some fish the palate is fleshy, as in the freshwater carp, so that by an inattentive observer it might be mistaken for a tongue. There is no doubt but that fishes have the sense of taste, for a great number of them delight in special flavours, and fishes freely take the hook if it be baited with a piece of flesh from a tunny or from any fat fish, obviously enjoying the taste and the eating of food of this kind. Fishes have no visible organs for hearing or for smell, for what might appear to indicate an organ for smell in the region of the nostril, has no communication with the brain. These indications in fact in some cases lead nowhere, like blind alleys, and in other cases lead only to the gills. But for all this fishes undoubtedly hear and smell, for they are observed to run away from any loud noise, such as would be made by the rowing of a galley, so as to become easy of capture in their holes. For, by the way, though a sound be very slight in the open air, it has a loud and alarming resonance to creatures that hear under water. And this is shown in the capture of the dolphin. For when the hunters have enclosed a shoal of these fishes with a ring of their canoes, they set up from inside the canoes a loud splashing in the water, and by so doing induce the creatures to run in a shoal, high and dry, up on the beach, and so capture them while stupefied with the noise. And yet, for all this, the dolphin has no organ of hearing discernible. Furthermore, when engaged in their craft, fishermen are particularly careful to make no noise with oar or net, and, after they have spied a shoal, they let down their nets at a spot so far off that they count upon no noise being likely to reach the shoal, occasioned either by oar or by the surging of their boats through the water, and the crews are strictly enjoined to preserve silence until the shoal has been surrounded. And at times, when they want the fish to crowd together, they adopt the stratagem of the dolphin hunter. In other words they clatter stones together, that the fish may, in their fright, gather close into one spot, and so they envelop them with their nets. Before surrounding them, then, they preserve silence as was said. But after hemming the shoal in, they call on every man to shout out aloud, and make any kind of noise, for on hearing the noise and hubbub the fish are sure to tumble into the nets from sheer fright further, when fishermen see a shoal of fish feeding at a distance, disporting themselves in calm bright weather on the surface of the water, if they are anxious to descry the size of the fish, and to learn what kind of a fish it is, they may succeed in coming upon the shoal, whilst yet basking at the surface, if they sail up without the slightest noise. But if any man make a noise previously, the shoal, Will be seen to scurry away in alarm. Again, there is a small river fish called the cottus or bullhead. This creature burrows under a rock, and fishers catch it by clattering stones against the rock, and the fish, bewildered at the noise, darts out of its hiding place. From these facts, it is quite obvious that fishes can hear, and indeed, some people from living near the sea and frequently witnessing such phenomena, affirm that of all living creatures the fish is the quickest of hearing. And, by the way, of all fishes the quickest of hearing are the kestrius, or mullet, the crimps, the labrax, or bass, the salpe, or saup, the chromius, or skyna, and such like. Other fishes are less quick of hearing, and as might be expected are more apt to be found living at the bottom of the sea. The case is similar in regard to the sense of smell. Thus, as a rule, fishes will not touch a bait that is not fresh. Neither are they all caught by one and the same bait, but they are severally caught by baits suited to their several likings, and these baits they distinguish by their sense of smell. And, by the way, some fishes are attracted by malodorous baits, as the selp, for instance, is attracted by excrement. Again, a number of fishes live in caves, and accordingly fishermen, when they want to entice them out, smear the mouth of a cave with strong-smelling pickles, and the fish are soon attracted to the smell. And the eel is caught in a similar way, for the fishermen lays down an earthen pot that has held pickles, after inserting a wheel in the neck thereof. As a general rule, fishes are especially attracted by savoury smells. For this reason, fishermen roast the fleshy parts of the cuttlefish, and use it as bait on account of its smell, for fish are peculiarly attracted by it. They also bake the octopus, and bait their fish-baskets or wheels with it. Entirely, as they say, on account of its smell. Furthermore, gregarious fishes, if fish washings or bilge water be thrown overboard, are observed to scud off to a distance from apparent dislike of the smell. And it is asserted that they can at once detect by smell the presence of their own blood, and this faculty is manifested by their hurrying off to a great distance whenever fish blood is spilt in the sea. And, as a general rule, if you bait your wheel with a stinking bait, the fish refuse to enter the wheel or even to draw near. But if you bait the wheel with a fresh and savory bait, they come at once from long distances and swim into it. And all this is particularly manifest in the dolphin, for, as was stated, it has no visible organ of hearing, and yet it is captured when stupefied with noise. And so, while it has no visible organ for smell, it has the sense of smell remarkably keen. It is manifest, then, that the animals above mentioned are in possession of all the five senses. All other animals may, with very few exceptions, be comprehended within four genera, to wit, mollusks, crustaceans, testations, and insects. Of these four genera, the mollusk, the crustacean, and the insect have all the senses. At all events they have sight, smell, and taste. As for insects, both winged and wingless, they can detect the presence of scented objects afar off, as, for instance, bees and snipes detect the presence of honey at a distance, and they do so recognizing it by smell many insects are killed by the smell of brimstone. Ants, if the apertures to their dwellings be smeared with powdered origanum and brimstone, quit their nests, and most insects may be banished with burnt heart's horn, or, better still, by the burning of the gum, styrax. The cuttlefish, the octopus, and the crawfish may be caught by bait, The octopus, in fact, clings so tightly to the rocks that it cannot be pulled off, but remains attached even when the knife is employed to sever it, and yet if you apply flea bane to the creature it drops off at the very smell of it. The facts are similar in regard to taste, for the food that insects go in quest of is of diverse kinds, and they do not all delight in the same flavours. For instance, the bee never settles on a withered or wilted flower, but on fresh and sweet ones, and the conops or gnat, settles only on acrid substances and not on sweet. The sense of touch, by the way, as has been remarked, is common to all animals. Testations have the senses of smell and taste. With regard to their possession of the sense of smell, that is proved by the use of baits exempli gratia, in the case of the purple fish. For this creature is enticed by baits of rancid meat, which it perceives and is attracted to from a great distance. The proof that it possesses a sense of taste hangs by the proof of its sense of smell. For whenever an animal is attracted to a thing, by perceiving its smell, it is sure to like the taste of it. Further, All animals, furnished with a mouth, derive pleasure or pain from the touch of sapid juices. With regard to sight and hearing, we cannot make statements with thorough confidence or on irrefutable evidence. However, the solen or razor-fish, if you make a noise, appears to burrow in the sand, and to hide himself deeper when he hears the approach of the iron-rod for the animal, be it observed, juts a little out of its hole, while the greater part of the body remains within. And scallops, if you present your finger near their open valves, close them tight again, as though they could see what you were doing. Furthermore, when fishermen are laying bait for neritai, they always get to leeward of them, and never speak a word while so engaged, under the firm impression that the animal can smell and hear, and they assure us that if any one speaks aloud the creature makes efforts to escape. With regard to testations of the walking or creeping species, the urchin appears to have the least developed sense of smell, and of the stationary species the ascidian and the barnacle. So much for the organs of sense, in the general run of animals, We now proceed to treat of voice. Chapter 9 Voice and sound are different from one another, and language differs from voice and sound. The fact is that no animal can give utterance to voice except by the action of the pharynx, and consequently such animals as are devoid of lung have no voice and language, is the articulation of vocal sounds by the instrumentality of the tongue. Thus the voice and larynx can emit vocal or vowel sounds. Non-vocal or consonantal sounds are made by the tongue and the lips, and out of these vocal and non-vocal sounds language is composed. Consequently, animals that have no tongue at all or that have a tongue, not freely detached, have neither voice nor language, although by the way they may be enabled to make noises or sounds by other organs than the tongue. Insects, for instance, have no voice and no language, but they can emit sound by internal air or wind, though not by the emission of air or wind. For no insects are capable of respiration, But some of them make a humming noise, like the bee, and the other winged insects, and others are said to sing, as the cicada. And all these latter insects make their special noises by means of the membrane that is underneath the hyposoma. Those insects, that is to say, whose body is thus divided, as for instance one species of cicada, which makes the sound by means of the friction of the air. Flies and bees and the like produce their special noise by opening and shutting their wings in the act of flying, for the noise made is by the friction of air between the wings when in motion. The noise made by grasshoppers is produced by rubbing or reverberating with their long hind legs. No mollusk or crustacean can produce any natural voice or sound. Fishes can produce no voice, for they have no lungs, nor windpipe and pharynx, but they emit certain inarticulate sounds and squeaks, which is what is called their voice, as the lyra, or gurnard, and the scyna. For these fishes make a grunting kind of noise, and the capris, or boarfish, in the river Achaloas, and the chalcis, and the cuckoo-fish. For the chalcis makes a sort of piping sound, and the cuckoo-fish makes a sound greatly like the cry of the cuckoo, and is nicknamed from the circumstance. The apparent voice in all these fishes is a sound caused in some cases by a rubbing motion of their gills, which by the way are prickly, or in other cases by internal parts about their bellies, for they all have air or wind inside them, by rubbing and moving, which they produce the sounds. Some cartilaginous fish seem to squeak. But in these cases the term voice is inappropriate. The more correct expression would be sound. For the scallop, when it goes along supporting itself on the water, which is technically called flying, makes a whizzing sound, and so does the sea-swallow or flying fish. For this fish flies in the air clean out of the water, being furnished with fins, broad and long. Just then, as in the flight of birds the sound made by their wings is obviously not voice, so is it in the case of all these other creatures. The dolphin, when taken out of the water, gives a squeak and moans in the air. But these noises do not resemble those above mentioned, for this creature has a voice, and can therefore utter vocal or vowel sounds. For it is furnished with a lung and a windpipe, but its tongue is not loose, nor has it lips so as to give utterance to an articulate sound, or a sound of vowel and consonant in combination. Of animals which are furnished with tongue and lung, the oviparous quadrupeds produce a voice, but a feeble one, in some cases a shrill piping sound, like the serpent, in others a thin faint cry, in others a low hiss, like the tortoise. The formation of the tongue in the frog is exceptional. The front part of the tongue, which in other animals is detached, is tightly fixed in the frog, as it is in all fishes, but the part towards the pharynx is freely detached, and may, so to speak, be spat outwards, and it is with this that it makes its peculiar croak The croaking that goes on in the marsh is the call of the males to the females at rutting time. And, by the way, all animals have a special cry for the like end at the like season, as is observed in the case of goats, swine, and sheep. The bullfrog makes its croaking noise by putting its underjaw on a level with the surface of the water, and extending its upper jaw to its utmost capacity. The tension is so great that the upper jaw becomes transparent, and the animal's eyes shine through the jaw like lamps. For, by the way, the commerce of the sexes takes place usually in the night-time. Birds can utter vocal sounds, and such of them can articulate best as have the tongue moderately flat, and also such as have thin delicate tongues. In some cases the male and the female utter the same note. In other cases different notes. The smaller birds are more vocal and given to chirping than the larger ones. But in the pairing season every species of bird becomes particularly vocal. Some of them call when fighting as the quail. Others cry or crow when challenging to combat as the partridge or when victorious as the barn-door cock. In some cases cock-birds and hens sing alike, as is observed in the nightingale, only that the hen stops singing when brooding or rearing her young. In other birds the cocks sing more than the hens. In fact, with barn-door fowls and quails the cock sings and the hen does not. Viviparous quadrupeds utter vocal sounds of different kinds, but they have no power of converse. In fact, this power or language is peculiar to man. For while the capability of talking implies the capability of uttering vocal sounds, the converse does not hold good. Men that are born deaf are in all cases also dumb. That is, they can make vocal sounds, but they cannot speak. CHILDREN, JUST AS THEY HAVE NO CONTROL OVER OTHER PARTS, SO HAVE NO CONTROL AT FIRST OVER THE TONGUE. BUT IT IS SO FAR IMPERFECT, AND ONLY FREES AND DETACHES ITSELF BY DEGREES, SO THAT IN THE INTERVAL CHILDREN, FOR THE MOST PART, LISP AND STUTTER. VOCAL SOUNDS AND MODES OF LANGUAGE DIFFER ACCORDING TO LOCALITY. VOCAL SOUNDS ARE CHARACTERIZED CHIEFLY BY THEIR PITCH, WHETHER HIGH OR LOW and the kinds of sound capable of being produced are identical within the limits of one and the same species. But articulate sound, that one might reasonably designate language, differs both in various animals and also in the same species according to diversity of locality, as, for instance, some partridges cackle, and some make a shrill twittering noise. Of little birds some sing a different note from the parent birds, if they have been removed from the nest, and have heard other birds singing, and a mother nightingale has been observed to give lessons in singing to a young bird, from which spectacle we might obviously infer that the song of the bird was not equally congenital with mere voice, but was something capable of modification and of improvement. Men— have the same voice or vocal sounds, but they differ from one another in speech or language. The elephant makes a vocal sound of a wind-like sort by the mouth alone, unaided by the trunk, just like the sound of a man panting or sighing. But if it employ the trunk as well, the sound produced is like that of a horse-trumpet. End of Chapter 9